0: Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail...
1: Speaker, this question is for the Minister of Māori Development and asks, does he stand by all his statements? Uh, the Honourable Chris Finlayson. On behalf of the Minister for Māori Development, yes. Uh, Submitted a question for the man who always gets the words perfect.
0: Order, order. Being an MP has its perks. You get a good salary, at least six figures... You get free air travel, you get to stay at nice hotels, eat fancy meals, and of course you get the chance to make your voice heard in how the country should run. But this job also has its drawbacks. Many people hate MPs, truly hate them, completely mistrust them, and... To an extent, that comes with the territory. You're a public figure, you have strong beliefs, the people who you serve have the right to challenge you, to satirise you and to mock you. And a lot of the time, this is kind of funny.
2: Well, when Economic Development Minister Stephen Joyce was hit in the face with a fellas-shaped squeaky toy at Waitangi... He seemed to be aware of what would happen next. He sent out a tweet saying, someone send the gif or the, the video over to John Oliver so we can get it over with.
0: But sometimes it boils over into territory that is clearly indisputably... Not OK.
2: Simeon Brown, Right. Okay. who, by the way, has had more threats now for the mongrel mob, by he, the way. He's gone to the police last night? Yeah. What actually is the threat?
0: I think they use words like pop him or something. I think that means to shoot him, doesn't
2: it? Threats against Green Party MP Golreez Guraman have escalated and she now needs a security escort. The Debbie Francis bullying review found
0: threats of physical violence, including death threats, were common for MPs to experience from members of the public. Six MPs reported actual physical violence, three of those hit a racial element. And every now and then something happens that should really truly shock us.
2: Green's co-leader Jane Shaw was attacked as he walked to work today. Back now to our lead story this morning, the shooting and killing of British Labour MP Joe Cox. Miss Cox was attacked outside a library in the town of Burstall in West Yorkshire where she was due to hold a meeting with her constituents. The House of Commons today has put aside normal business to devote the proceedings to remembering one of its own, MP Sir David Amos. He was stabbed to death at a constituency surgery in the seaside town of City in Essex on Friday
0: Today on The Detail the thin lines that separate mockery from abuse and abuse from threats and whether in the age of social media maybe it's time to recalibrate what we're comfortable saying to MPs from the safety of our keyboards yeah. Thomas Cogling Hello, welcome back to The Detail
1: Hello, how are you?
0: Good, thank you shouldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Coghlan is a senior political reporter with the NZ Herald. Hey, one thing that we hear a lot about our political system in New Zealand is that we have what is called an adversarial system. What does that kind of mean? Does that mean that all of our politicians hate each other?
1: No, um, so it basically just means that you have a government and you have an opposition. The opposition's job is to oppose, uh, or oppose the government to critique what they're doing, uh, and to and to prepare to be a government uh, in waiting. So that should the government collapse, um, which under NMP, um, you know can happen if if parties peel away, or under first past the post could happen if individual MPs kind of peel away, then the opposition can jump into the breach and become the alternative government. Adversarial just refers almost to the almost like the shape of the parliament, which is the sort of treasury benches on one side, opposition benches on the other, and we all kind of duke it out uh, in the chamber.
0: Sure. Okay. So, you know, parliament is a place where strong-willed people with strong ideas about how society should be sort of congregate and then argue out their ideas. In spite of this, MPs in their personal lives anyway, do often broach that ideological divide, don't they? Like, there, there are many Labour MPs who are friends with national MPs, national MPs who are friends with Labour MPs. That is not that uncommon, right?
1: No, absolutely not. I mean, like, there's a lot of... I think one of the things that people most misunderstand about Parliament is the way that um, there is kind of a community aspect to uh, working in the physical place of Parliament. Um, it's a really unique job. You're away from your family a lot um and and you work um really horrendous hours um and you you're often having to deal with like quite unusual um and, and ridiculous complaints from constituents i mean you you can help constituents a lot and, and help their their lives. But also you know some some complaints that people have of politicians are ridiculous and everyone has to <laughs> everyone has to pretend to take them seriously and i think there's that 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 unifies people i think the the abuse of politicians receive also unifies people i mean most politicians um are in Parliament because they they have quite strong convictions about uh, where the country should go, and so that obviously you know they're never going to be best buddies, but they also have the sort of unifying experience of people hating them for ridiculous reasons. It's quite funny to see that that taking place. Everyone knows that a lot of the, the anger is ridiculous. Taking a political position on things is, is not ridiculous, but the, the kind of the bile that's directed at individual MPs for personal reasons is ridiculous, and that, that actually unifies people. The other interesting thing is that all MPs have an induction. It's like an O-week at the university, and they do practice question time, which is quite fun to watch. We were briefly allowed to see some of that um, this year. Uh, where they learn how to ask questions and they do, you know, practice MP stuff. And they do that as a, an intake of new yeah. MPs. So you often find cross-party friendships forming from various intakes, the class of, you know, 2017, the sure. class of 2014. And that, that, that creates a kind of sense of common feeling among among MPs, which is quite nice to see. You talked
0: before a little bit about the abuse that MPs get.
1: Have you ever received threats? Yes.
2: Do you ever feel unsafe?
1: Well, apart from right now, no.
2: About three occasions come to mind um, where I felt that I could be physically hurt. Do you feel safe as a minister? Well, I did.
1: Why do you think that happens? We probably do ourselves a disservice if if we make the claim that it is a new thing. There's that Clausewitz quote that says that war is politics by other means, which sort of implies that actually you know, politics is itself warlike in some way. And it is. Politics is it's all of us agreeing to settle our differences, not by fighting with each other, but by um, by fighting uh, verbally <laughs> with each other. Um, so the idea that, that that emotion doesn't belong in politics, that strong feelings don't, don't belong in politics is ridiculous. That's why we we do what we do. There's a whole corpus of literature about people feeling strongly about politics. Mm. I'm reading like Middlemarch at the moment, scenes where people campaigning for the vote get incredibly kind of violent and, and upset that they, they don't have this political representation. You know, politics is violent but obviously in the, in the modern era um, and actually all through I mean all through history, politicians have been murdered and killed um, and, and obviously, in the last few years we 've seen increasing instances of that, an increasing instance of, of politicians in New Zealand um, being threatened as well and again like this, you know this isn't new politicians have always been threatened. I was actually talking to someone the other day about the X party which in the '90s apparently had, had many threats made against it, um having you know emerged out of the Rogennomics era, which was obviously very unpopular, so it is normal uh, I think. I mean, it's not ideal, it's terrible, but it it is normal to have this happen, and it does does happen, um, it's always happened, and it it is happening now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, is is that your impression of how MPs sort of contextualise this in their own minds, is that, you know, this is a hazard of the
1: job, this is just how it is? Uh, I mean, MPs, like, don't want to um, have to accept it, and they don't... They shouldn't have to accept it, but I think the MPs know that they're gonna, that's a part of the job. I think what, what has shocked MPs possibly um, is possibly the volume of it. And I think something yes, I think shocked us all in the digital age is the volume of correspondence and the volume of quite yeah, horrific correspondence, I think. I actually think um, Nicola Willis made the point in the Chamber uh, during the abortion debate.
2: Why do they think that emailing me images of dismembered foetuses will change my views. And why should our staff be subjected to that? Do they understand that gruesome images are available to illustrate any argument? Perversely, it is those images that finalised my decision to speak today. I will not be intimidated by those people and I will not stand by while they question women's rights to have autonomy over our own
1: bodies. So it's very you know it's very accessible to, to email MPs. And and that I think that, that level of accessibility has meant that people who have any kind of grievance against an MP can access them quite easily.
0: Do you remember hearing in twenty sixteen about the death of the British MP Joe Cox?
1: I do. Let's
0: return now to the story of the British MP Jo Cox and her shooting and stabbing. It's left, certainly, the country of the UK reeling. Shockwaves being felt right across the world. Now, Gabriel Giffords, the American politician who was shot in the head back in 2011, she's been tweeting about this, saying, quote, absolutely sickens to hear of the assassination of Jo Cox. She was young, courageous and hardworking, a rising star mother and wife.
1: Yeah I was living in the UK at the time actually. I think um, so I think that one was quite alarming and to me I think still still the Joe Cox murder was probably it's probably the most alarming of all of the recent uh, even even more alarming than the, um, than the most recent murder of an MP and, and I think that the thing that what was alarming about the Joe Cox one was that it, it was clearly related to heightening political tensions in the UK around Brexit at the time, because it occurred days before the referendum vote was scheduled to, to take place, so and and and, and he appeared to be a, a white nationalist, um, you know, spouting kind of anti-immigrant ideology during a, vote, and a, a, a referendum campaign, which, which um, obviously had a quite a, a prominent debate about immigration within within the wider debate about um, the UK's membership of the European Union. So I think what was what was alarming about that one was that. Here you have um, a democracy asking itself a very important question, but it showed that uh, the UK was incapable of having that conversation um, without, without coming to blows, and, and that's, quite, that's quite scary.
0: Jo Cox was murdered in 2016. She was the first UK MP to be killed while in office since 1990 when Conservative MP Ian Gow was killed by an IRA car bomb. 26 years in between killings. But just a couple of weeks ago, another terrible tragedy struck Britain.
2: The British Home Secretary, Priti Patel, will consider offering police protection for MPs after the brutal killing of David Amos. The Conservative MP was stabbed to death in his constituency.
0: Mercifully, we in New Zealand haven't seen this sort of violence towards politicians before, but we have had threats of violence. As we heard earlier, Green MP Golrez Garaman was given a security escort in 2019 after receiving threatening messages. In that same year, the Fixated Threat Assessment Centre was formed to specifically identify threats towards people who work at Parliament. Since that was set up, 220 people have been referred to that agency. But in spite of this, threats continue. Earlier this year, a security detail was considered for another MP... National's Simeon Brown.
2: So the issue at the time was um, I criticised uh, Marama Davidson turning up to the Mungrel Mob gang pad back in May. Um, from my perspective, that wasn't the right thing for a government minister to be doing. But I didn't expect to receive the, uh, the threats that I did receive. And so I guess from my perspective, it was a, it was a shock and it was certainly something which wasn't expected. You know, I guess my first thought in terms of these these issues, particularly around, you know, threats, is was really for my family to ensure their well-being and their safety.
0: Did you take them seriously?
2: Yeah, we did. Uh, so we contacted police uh, and parliamentary security. Uh, and, you know, I took a number of precautions at the time and still do uh, around my own personal security just to ensure that, you know, me and the family are, are safe. So, you know, it certainly was a, a bit of a wake-up call in terms of, you know, making sure that I did take those issues seriously in my role.
0: I find this really interesting, eh? Because, like, some people might say, with merit, you know, that... that... These are just things people say. It's, like, it's locker room talk. It's hyperbolic mm. nonsense that people, people once upon a time threw around the pub with their mates or their living rooms. It's meant to express a sentiment. I don't like this person, but no commitment necessarily. Just like, you know, I'm so hungry mm. I could eat a horse. That doesn't actually mean that you're going to go and eat a horse. And I feel like that's a way that a lot of people think about things like this. But go into it for me. Like, how
2: do, when you're on the receiving end, how does it actually feel? Well, I think one of the things, I mean, using your analogy, I mean, people say all sorts of things on Facebook and Twitter in terms of, you know, open comments and message, and, you know, and, and comments under posts and things like this, and express all sorts of views. I think the difference difference here for me was that came, it did come through as a as a private message um, to me, and it was and it was repeated a number of times, and so, um, you know, that sort of elevated it in my mind quite quickly. And so, look, it is something which, you know, at at the same time that we we live in a society which, um, you know, I always hope people can express very strong feelings and say what they think, and there should be no repercussions for that. Um, I think that the line, from my perspective, has to be drawn at the point where, you know, where there's a direct incitement to to violence um, or some other form of, you know, criminal act. I think that's certainly a, a different line which I think, you know, most New Zealanders would say that's something which shouldn't be crossed.
0: Yeah. Well, because, like, I mean, and again, using you as an example here, you know, you're an interesting character. on Twitter. I mean, you really are a character on Twitter. You know, there are some what I would consider good natured, I think, all in yeah. all, mockery and mirth that goes on on Twitter at, at your expense. You know, the recurring, um, a rare misstep <laughs> from Simeon <laughs> Brown, for example. <laughs> I mean that's mean, but but to an extent that is something that you sign up for as a as a public figure, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean not everyone's gonna not everyone's gonna agree with me and some people, you know, some people are gonna try and uh, you know, take the Mickey out of me when they get the opportunity. And that's that's politics, that's fine, you know. Um you've got to be able to have a laugh at yourself.
0: Yeah. But as well. But there's a line in the sand. Yes. And
2: um, you know, I think that's certainly very so different in the circumstance that I was talking about earlier. Um, and so that's sort of, you know, I think it's, I think, but I think it's generally, you know, if, if someone came up to me in the street and wanted to, you know, poke fun at me and, you know, and say something, you know, funny or at a public meeting, mm. um, you know, that would be, it, 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 in, in some respects, there is a, a direct comparison. I mean, if someone stood up in a public meeting and, and said something which was meant to make a, a mockery of me, um, you know, you accept that and, and move on, Um but again, if someone stood up in a public meeting and said the same things which were said in those messages that I received, then obviously that line is crossed. So I sort of take it, um, you know, uh, it doesn't matter the circumstance. Um, you've got to accept the, that people aren't always going to agree with you and will, will say things which, you, you know, at your expense, uh, but at the same time, the line has to be drawn at, at somewhere around what's, uh, what's right and what's wrong.
0: When you read about... Um the death of Sir David Amos in the UK. Mm. I know that this is, you know, there are many things that are different in this situation. It's not, I I don't mean to say that the two are analogous, but um, were you shocked? Were you actually shocked?
2: Yeah, I I was. And the thing which shocked me the most was he was just doing something which I would do on a regular basis. Mm. You hold a meeting with people in your electorate and they come along and meet with you. Whether that's in your office or at a at a at a hall, community hall. I mean, he was holding it in a church hall, which um, you know I hold public meetings in, in church halls from time to time. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that's that's alt- that sort of what really shocked me was just the sort of normality of what he was doing at the time. And then reading, I didn't know didn't know much about this gentleman, but reading about him and just seeing the tributes which came through from politicians from both sides of the house, where people said. You know, he was just a gentleman um, doing a good job for his electorate, and you know, he certainly had his views on different issues. Uh, but the context of which he was doing it was simply just helping people, um, and that's sort of certainly what what shocked me the most.
0: One thing that springs to mind here when it comes to the way that people sort of view and talk to MPs is I I remember an interview with Jack Gleason, the actor Jack Gleason, who played Joffrey Baratheon on Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yes. You you know, and and he said... I know
1: the exact story, yes.
0: Yeah, where where, people would come up to him in the street and really hurl venom at him because he played this evil character. Do you see parallels between that and the way that people sometimes treat MPs?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think I think MPs appreciate that there is a higher threshold um, for them uh, in terms of, of having to accept a certain amount of um, of, of discourse uh, of a certain um, tone, um, because they are making rules about people and uh, governing people's lives. You know, they have immense amounts of power, and you, you, know, you know, obviously, the, the lockdowns this year and last year were an example of that, where um, you know. For a good reason, an absolutely justifiable reason, the government decided to deprive a whole country of its liberties, um, and, and that will make people feel uh, angry and, and upset. And they do have a right uh, to to communicate that, and and a right to communicate that emotionally at their elected representatives. And obviously, it's a matter of degrees. Where, you, where you, I think you do have a right to to, to, to feel uh, quite, well, you have a right to feel however you want. I think MPs are quite respectful of the fact. That their constituents will, will communicate with them in an, in an emotive and in a, in a passionate way when they make decisions about their lives, but there's certainly a threshold that appears to be cross, being crossed um, at an alarmingly uh, frequent rate, where people are communicating with politically communicating violently, and not you know the whole point of having a, having a, a functioning democracy is that is that we communicate we, we, our political communication is non-violent, you know otherwise what's the point? <laughs> yeah.
0: I remember speaking to the then speaker David Carter. He said something really interesting. He said the the best thing about politics in New Zealand is the fact that the prime minister can pop along to Subway uh, mm. on Lambton Key for lunch if he wants to. Do you think that that is something that perhaps we take for granted?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we do. I mean, one of the great things, I mean, it's one of the great things about New Zealand is that we we do have that accessibility to our politicians. I think that's fantastic. Whether it's you know going along to you know, a cafe or restaurant and just being able to be yourself. Um, that's something which is taken for granted. I think if you look around other countries in the world, it's not as you don't have that same accessibility to politicians. The threat levels can be different. And I think it's one of the great things, I mean, one of the things we have a, a quite a high number of MPs to population as well, which means that there's a larger well, a large number of MPs to people, which I guess also increases that accessibility compared to other countries as well. So I think that's something we need to protect and something we should really enjoy. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and whilst you might not like my opinion, uh, and I might not like yours, at the end of the day we're just people, and we 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 pretty we pretty much want the same things out of life. It's best sometimes just to to let things lie and agree to disagree, than to try to you know think that continuing to 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 sort of go personal or things like that is actually going to solve a problem. You know, agreeing to disagree I think is a perfectly legitimate. Um, place to be and you know for many constituents who don't agree with me on issues that's that's ultimately what I say to them Um, you know we can agree to disagree and still actually enjoy each other's company bump into each other on the street uh, and, and say hello to each other I think that's something which we want to see or I personally want to see more of in a democracy I fear that we become more divided or are becoming more divided and actually the things which unite us the things that we all want for us and our families are actually pretty much the same things doesn't matter what people's political perspective or persuasion might be,
0: yeah, I guess when it comes down to it, we're more similar than we are different most of the
2: time aren't absolutely, we? absolutely, and you know the the things which things which divide us, I think we've got to put them in context um and we should you know I always bring it back we should have a good we should have good open well, you know arguments and discussions and debates where appropriate, um but actually you know we all we all pretty much want to achieve the same outcomes. Mm. It's how we get there, which is the
1: difference. The the idea of of, of a violent reaction to politicians is, is pretty grotesque and it does seems to be coming becoming, yeah, somewhat um somewhat more common. Mm. So it's, it's that it's that balance. And I think I, I mean I suppose it's one of the good things about doing a podcast like this is that it's a good it's a good point I think whenever some a tragedy like, like this happens, it's a good point to reflect on on whether that balance is is tipping in
0: the right direction or the wrong direction. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Thomas Coglin and Simeon Brown. And finally, today the detail has been nominated for the Listener's Choice Award at the New Zealand Podcast Awards. If you enjoy our work, we'd love your vote. Just head to the NZ Podcast Awards website and follow the prompts. Matewa.